Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Let's Talk CFL Podcast. Roundtable discussion recorded live on Sunday and Wednesday nights. Visit Let's Talk CFL on Facebook for showtime. Brought to you by the Let's Talk Sports Groups on Facebook. Our partners, LostWolfOnSports.com. Stream live on BlogTalkRadio.com. Hello folks, good evening. I'm not the normal voice you hear at the beginning of this show, but I'm here nonetheless. Good evening and welcome to Let's Talk CFL Podcast episode um, 430. I am your sit-in host tonight, Charles Cliff. It's been a while since the last time I hosted this show. And most people have been saying, oh, that was a nice part. But I'm here, I'm back again, and hey... How about that coronavirus? Because I don't think um, we've heard enough about that nowadays. That is, I this, I was thinking this the other day. This is our generation's World War II. It really is when you think about it. It's the entire world basically um, coming together for in one thing you know, combined. Like, I mean, I guess we had some of that during 9-11 and so on, but nothing that um, lasted, like, this length and has kind of brought the world together. And really, it's it's kind of um, touched everybody's life. I mean, directly or indirectly. I mean, people, uh, even if you don't have the virus, you don't know anyone that has the virus, it's probably uh, it's affected your work. It's it's affected being able to go out, and it looks like it's going to affect. Well, it is going to affect our football. It's going to affect when we can't go to restaurants. Hell, you you get scared going to the gas pumps and getting gas and so on because you don't know who touched the gas tank before you. So it's it's one of those things that uh, you know, uh, fifty, eighty, a hundred years from now. People are going to be telling their grandchildren and their great-grandchildren and so on about the days of coronavirus. It's one of those things. It's scary. Hopefully, we're finally going to start turning a corner here soon. I know they say that this is going to be maybe the pinnacle week where we see the numbers you know, hit their peak and then slowly start to decline. Let's hope so, but again, we don't know and uh, all we do know is we just got to keep staying home. We just got to keep being vigilant, and eventually it's going to get back to normal. It's going to take a while still, but let's hope that it's not super, super long. Let's hope we get out of this here at some point. Um, but as it is, it, this is Let's Talk CFL, and hell, the CFL has been impacted by it too, and lots of people... You know, everyone around the world uh, impacted by it. But we're not going to be all coronavirus tonight because, quite frankly, we get inundated with it all day and all night. It's certainly going to be a topic for part of tonight, but we will be moving on to other areas too, some interesting areas here. There's one article we're going to get to later in this show, which I read through it today, and I found it really interesting, and I thought it would make a good topic to talk about tonight because, Let's face it, I do the agenda for this show every week, and ever since this coronavirus uh, uh, story hit, getting an agenda done has been 
really like pulling teeth because, I mean, there's not a lot going on CFL-wise. So I do my best. We we got some topics to talk about tonight. And, hey, you never know. We might trail off into uh, a different topic. Not this show. But, uh, yeah, so uh, we are going to be talking about it here and uh, lots of other stuff. Uh, just so you know why I'm hosting tonight, CJ is was not feeling well today, so he is going to be uh, out for tonight's show. And before anyone starts thinking, no, he does not have the coronavirus, he's not sick, uh, he was working out, he lives on a farm and he works on a farm, so he said he was getting sore because he was working all day today and uh, he was getting tired I can imagine how tiring it can be working on a farm, so I certainly understand that. So he will not be joining us tonight, but I've got three other gentlemen who are waiting online patiently for me to get to them. So I guess I should probably do that so they're not just sitting online on the hold all night, and you guys are not subjected to listening to me ramble on for two hours, because let's face it, no one would. They'd hang up or shut their uh, radio or whatever they listen to us on, uh, long before the two hours get up. But I've talked enough for four and a half minutes. It's time to uh, get somebody else on here. So let's start um, here. And Mark, good evening. Mark, how are you tonight? Doing well, doing well. Getting a little bored. Yeah, I know um, uh, you're, you're, you've are you're been off right now, and like a lot of people. Yeah, it's three weeks I've been off. And, you know, I enjoyed the first week. But now it's like, sure. I, I just, I'm very happy I have a closed 18-hole golf course that's basically my backyard. Well, that's a plus. Yes, it's a bit of a mud bog right now, but yep. I'm still getting out into it just to, so I can at least get outside. You can only play so much golf. <laughs> yeah, well, it's closed anyway, so it's, okay. it used to be a golf course. It's beside the stadium, so then I can go and check out the stadium. And oh, it that looks makes pretty sense. lonely. Yeah, it looks uh, pretty again, Not much going on there right now, I don't think. No. No. But my Grey Cup book is coming tomorrow, so I've got that. Well, there's something. Yep. Yep. That's a Didn't plus. take him long to get that out. No, I'm not. I'm sure. <laughs> yep. All right, so we got you online, so let's bring in some of our other panelists tonight. We'll go... We got uh, two gentlemen from the province of Alberta joining us tonight. First off, Will McDonald is coming in here. Come on in, Will. How are you tonight? I said, how are you tonight? Okay, so we are not, uh, why is that happening? It's not connecting me to Will all of a sudden. Why not? Uh, I apologize, folks. My internet is giving me issues tonight. As it did last week, so I'll try to bring Will in again. There, now we're in. Sorry, my internet's giving me some issues and it's doing stuff slowly. Yes, we can hear you, Will. Good evening. Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Okay, I'm good. I'm good. hoping. Good. I'm You're hoping winter. I'm hoping hoping winter will go away in Alberta. Because it just keeps on snowing. Yeah, you guys have been uh, still inundated with um, um, a lot of uh, snow. snow. I was looking snow. at your forecast earlier. Yes, snow and more snow. So that's you know. not fun. We we actually had a little bit. I mean, nothing like what you guys again. We actually had a little bit of snow last week, uh, late last week, and even at the beginning of this week. Just a few flurries, like nothing like uh, a huge, 
like feet or anything like that. But even though, I mean, it's April, we should not be getting snow anywhere in April. Well, this we, is we haven't had time. That, we, mm. have, we haven't had that much, but it just keeps on coming and coming and yeah. coming. It's, it's a pain in the ass, which is annoying. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure we go with centimeters. We just got 20 centimeters a few days ago. Oh, it's all gone again, but yeah. Yeah. Well, at least that's the plus when you're around at this time, that at least um, if it does snow, it doesn't last long because it tends to warm up during the day, so they seemingly will melt uh, a little bit quicker than it would, say, in, like, the winter time. Yep. All right, so let's move on now. we got one more person on hold. So we're going to bring him in now. Hopefully he'll connect quicker than Will did. Uh, good evening, Phil. How are you tonight? Hey, Charles. I'm doing great here in Calgary West. And Will's correct. We've had a lot of snow here. It, it just keeps coming. Uh, I got two email notifications the night before last, I think, from Revelstoke and Lake Louise uh, saying, like, AAA powder. And I think I only got one notification all winter long from any hill on this particular app. So uh, all the ski hills are closed. So um, it, that, that AAA powder is being wasted out there in the mountains right now. Oh, wow. Yeah, That's, it's just how it is right now. The real pain in the ass. <laughs> Uh, before the show, too, you guys uh, came and outed yourselves that you were watching uh, WWE. I'm sorry, I, I I don't know the event. I'm WrestleMania. Not a fan. I'm WrestleMania, sorry. Yep. And uh, yep. and Will was shuddering like he does. Yep. And uh, he'd, he'd shudder even worse if he knew what I was doing with my extra spare time with the COVID virus. Uh, playing Daisy on my Xbox. Playing which? Daisy. Daisy. I've never is that a game I've never heard of that game. Is that a game? It's yeah, it's a one hundred percent Russian game. Uh developed, paid for and and uh marketed from Russia. It's just come to consoles. It's been on PC for years. And uh, I've only been on it for about eight days, and I'm afraid I, I might need to talk to somebody about this addiction. Okay. Okay, then. What do you think, Will? Daisy or... I'm, I'm once again, I, I don't play video games. <laughs> I think they're a waste of time. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, oh, yeah, I think video, I think video games are a waste of time. I expect more, I think more from Charles. People have time right now. What? Go on. I know. I expect, I expect more from Charles and and uh, Mark. I don't expect anything from Phil because he's from Saskatchewan. So anything he does is explainable. Is is you know it's, he's from Saskatchewan. What do you expect? Okay, it's either playing BZ or going going cow tipping. I guess I don't know. Cow tipping. Yeah, whatever that is. I've heard it's a sport. Is that even a real thing? 
It is. Actually, it is. Apparently, and, and Phil, you would probably know about this. Apparently, cows fall asleep standing up. And Absolutely. you run over and... And you run over and push them over, and that's called cow tipping. Is that correct, Phil? That that is that is correct. I, I would love to be able to uh, to uh, show that to uh, to the rest of the panel. There's any anybody, particularly from the West Coast, who hasn't seen it yet. All right. Well, so that is that is an actual thing, Charles. Uh, all right. Just well. Like just like wrestling is fake, okay? It's an actual thing. We hope you've enjoyed Let's Talk Cow Tipping, but um, we're going to move on. Um, huh, I don't know where to go from that cow tipping. All right, so let's go to our agenda here tonight, which, like I said, it's getting more and more a pain in the ass doing it each week. It really is. Because 90% of the stories I've found from the CFL are all connected to the coronavirus. And I don't want to talk to coronavirus for two hours straight. Part of the reason I do this show is to try and get away from hearing about the coronavirus. But it is part of life, and it's there, and it's not going away anytime soon. So let's just hope it goes away at some point. But uh, we'll go uh, start segment one. Hey, we're going to talk about the coronavirus. What do you know? Uh, Randy Ambrosi put out a message today that the CFL will not begin before July. Now, he kind of had his hand um, played for him because uh, a few different places, I know Calgary is one of them, and I believe Toronto, well, we talked about Toronto, even though the story said that Toronto's uh, laws would not, um, Toronto's laws would not uh, prohibit pro sports from being played, but I know Calgary's canceled all... um, uh, public events with big crowds up until the end of June. So they're kind of, the CFO was kind of, um, kind of had their hands forced on this one. So they're saying now June minimum before the um, season is to start, providing that it does start. Um, what do you think? Is there any chance we start in July? I'm going to go. Uh, or is this just, you know, PR and we're going to be waiting even longer? Let's go around. I'll start uh, in Manitoba with uh, in with Mark there. What do you think, Mark? Any chance to start in July, or is that just kind of a pipe dream right now? They put that out there to keep the fans' interest somewhat towards the CFL right now. Um, let's face it, they're the last league to – well, I guess the NFL hasn't said anything yet, but everybody else is canceling. Um, or delaying, they'll be lucky if it's August or September. Let's face it; they got to have some sort of a training camp. So, in Calgary until June thirtieth, so automatic they can't play. Yeah, um, it, it's just you know, it's the let's be optimistic. Let's hope we're still here. Mm-hmm. We're still around. Let's be optimistic. Yeah, but I was, I'm staying with August or September long weekend. Yeah, start of the season. Yeah, I could see that. Although I see, I saw that Major League Baseball now is coming up with the idea that they're going to start their season, or at least they're talking about starting their season in. I think they said mid to late May, but they're going to play all of their games down in Arizona. Is what I heard. Okay, which is kind of. 
odd, but um, I don't know. Um, Phil, do you think there's any chance the CFL starts in July? Well, I think the, the way the league is looking at it right now, that's that's the best uh, possible scenario as far as yep. the, the COVID curve goes. And so there is a, a, a slight chance, but I, I really agree with Mark. It's They'll be lucky to play in August or or, or start for September 1st. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, let's be honest, that's, that's the best case scenario. But that said, I think the next week to 10 days is going to tell a lot. Uh, the, the curve has been steep enough now. The data is real, and we, we've actually got a couple provinces showing some flattening. Um, and although I didn't look at any provincial numbers today, that's just awesome. just, uh, just uh, numbers from the country, or, or from different countries. But mm-hmm. as of yesterday, that was the case. And uh, so I think the next week to 10 days is going to give us a lot clearer picture, and they're going to start to be able to predict in each province when, uh, when that peak uh, ICU um, demand or hospital bed demand is going to be there. And from there, I think they can project, based on what's happened in other countries, it's going to be very easy for them to project when we can exit this condition of social distancing. I think. All right. Will, uh, what are your thoughts on this? Do you think there's any shot of playing in June or July, or are we looking like uh, everyone else says probably August and September at the best? Guess what? What? Here's my prediction. Here's my prediction. There will be no CFL football this year. And I, I, I predict that just from reading a whole bunch of different stuff in a whole bunch of different places, this whole thing is going to last for the next 18 months. And, yeah, we will get away from social distancing and isolation, but then we'll go back to it, and then we'll come out of it, then we'll go back to it, then we'll come out of it. Trust me, it's going to be a long haul, and I don't think uh, – I don't think there's going to be a CFL this year, which, which in reality, and, and you guys are going to be surprised that I'm going to say something like this, but you know, you take the last five, six weeks, whatever it's been, and there's been no sports whatsoever. And I am a sport retard and uh, I really haven't missed it to be honest with you. Maybe maybe we've all needed a break from sports for a while. And I haven't missed it at all. I mean, I've watched some UFC stuff and and uh, watched some replays of football, but overall I have not missed it at all. So it's a, it's a pretty interesting concept, if you know what I mean. But I don't think there's going to be football this year. I'd hate to see it come to that. And I really, I really don't even want an eight-game season. Because, I mean, if you think about it, even if the CFL were to start tomorrow, I am not going to any stadium for at least a year. That's just me personally. I I think there's a lot of people that are like that, to be honest. I I think people will be scared to go. I mean, they're they're scared to go to Safeway, for God's sake, okay? Mm -hmm. Imagine a stadium with 30,000 people in it. Like, really. So, I just I just have a feeling there's not going to be much CFL this year. 
and which is really a terrible thing, but you know, I'm going to go with that. And I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. So, there's my take. I buddy. brought this Yeah, I brought this up in another group. Uh I'll just bring it up here. Is there any chance do you guys think that the CFO could go back but play in empty stadiums? I I would I would watch that. I would watch it. Yep. Okay, I would watch it on TSN in a heartbeat. And I and I I I don't know. I think I think you might find some guys making that suggestion sooner than later. Um. But who knows? You still will get the odd person who will go to the game if they could. But even I would watch empty stadiums on TSN. I would have no problem with that. I mean, I watched, uh, I think about two weeks ago or three weeks ago, I watched a free card, a free UFC card, and there was nobody in the stadium or in the arena. It was different, but it was okay. Yep. Charles, well, if we could watch wrestling in a, with no fans in a closed yep. arena like that... I think that's a given. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, and I, I think be, so too. Yeah, it's uh, like just from the UFC that I've watched and the wrestling that I've watched. It's interesting because you can actually hear them talking now and hear yeah. what they're actually saying, I and I think that'll come across on football too. Yep, it'll give it actually a different level to watch. It'll yep. be weird, but I would watch it for sure. Yep. Now, I'm not on, on the. I'm not quite at the level of saying that we're not going to have CFL this season because I think it's still kind of a little bit early to um, to say that. I think uh, I think it was uh, Phil that brought it up, and he's right. What's uh, we're gonna the next few weeks are going to be very important to see kind of where this virus goes uh, and um, how uh, it will. Um, what course do we see a decline? But Will brings up a good point, too, is we could see a decline. We could see, um, you know, the social distancing rules relaxed, and, but then we could have another wave and have to go right back into it. So that's something that's got to be, uh, you know, a concern, too. But um, you know what? The one thing is I did bring this up in another group about playing in empty stadiums. And pretty much everybody there shot me down saying the CFL would go under if we did that, that they couldn't afford it because the CFL is a, a, gate, um, a gate-driven league and the CFL couldn't do it. Now, do you guys buy that for a season that the CFL couldn't sustain itself with no fans? I, Charles, I, I, go ahead, Phil. Go ahead. Go ahead, Phil. Um, Charles, I uh, haven't... I don't know what I did with those numbers, but I did see a comparison, and and it's it's well more than fifty percent, and it's I believe it's sixty percent is the uh, income from non-field revenues in the CFL, mm-hmm. non-game day revenues, and um, so you know that begs the question: Can the CFL operate when they when they're going into a season knowing that their their gross income 
to start the season is going to be at least one third and probably 40% less than what they were projecting. How, what does that do to players' salaries? What does that do to the economics of the league and to the, uh, and to the financial strength of each of these CFL clubs? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. Uh, I think it would certainly be easier for some teams than others. I think we kind of discussed this last week that teams like Edmonton, which are community-owned, they would have a bigger problem than, say, someone like Toronto or BC, who are privately owned in big markets by, uh, you know, um, high-priced uh, owners uh, that have a lot of money. The community-owned teams would have um, more of an issue. Uh, I think is Winnipeg. Winnipeg is community. No, Winnipeg. Not who owns Winnipeg. It's uh, what's his face. The government. Or they no, it's the community owned. They could, it's community-owned, but it's the government. Yep. Okay, so they, yep, I think they'd be able to get by. And uh, same thing with Saskatchewan. Uh, like I said, Edmonton could have an issue. Uh, I think Calgary would be okay. They're owned by the Calgary Flames, although the Flames aren't bringing any money in either, so that could be an issue as well. So, But I think they'd be all right. Um, if they were to, say, do a short season with no fans, I think they, the teams would hurt, but I think they could probably get away with it for the short term. Obviously, and it their hand be may a, be forced. Yeah, exactly. T, uh, you TSN's football a, you, contract. The, the which? TSN's paying a lot of money for their football That's contract. That's true, yeah. TSN's going to want some football They're going to want something on there, so... Yeah. yeah, you might see a situation where the government says, "Okay, you can play pro sports, but you can't have any fans." And at that point, if that's the case, CSN is going to say, "Okay, get your games out there." Yep. We want we want some we want some product for our network because the sports networks have got to be getting killed right now. They've got nothing to watch or nothing to air. I mean, some of them are airing movies now because they've got no sports to air. You see, I think the key in in Calgary and Edmonton is you get Connor McDavid and uh, Johnny Goodrow to donate some of their money to the CFL, and they can pay for both the Stampeders and the Eskimos. No problem. Okay, done. There's the salary cap right there. That's how you pay for the players. Um, I, I, you know, it's funny because I'm wondering, playing in empty stadiums, how would that affect players? It wouldn't. It wouldn't affect Canadian players <laughs> because if they play in the CIS, they're used to playing in front of 550 people or 60 people or whatever. Okay, the Americans might be a little different, but I, I still think that's the only way to go. I, I still think uh, most teams would survive a season without fans in the stands, but. You know, come next season, I guess it might be a little. They're going to try and make that money up. Maybe you see an increase in ticket prices, yada da yada da yada da. And you know, uh, you got to understand a lot of these CFT, CFL teams have already they've already got their season ticket base sold already, and they have the money for the season ticket base. So I don't know. It's hard to say. We shall mm-hmm. see. Yeah, I agree. All right, so anything left on this one? 
right. Well, I guess we'll be moving on then. So let's go now to uh, our next topic here. So I'm just going to pull it up here. Now I know a uh, CJ is always complaining because it's higher up because we talked it, so you got to find it. Okay, segment number two. Well, hey, it's going to be connected to the coronavirus again. So here's the question. There is a story coming out now. This is take it with a grain of salt because it's from Three Down Nations saying that all players could become free agents if the season were to be suspended. Now, this is something to do with the language in the CBA that was signed last year saying that it is mutually understood and agreed that if the operation of the Canadian Football League is suspended, this contract shall immediately be terminated and the remuneration to be paid to the player shall be on the basis as provided in paragraph 11 wherein. So this is almost kind of a um, a uh, semantic saying is a, is a season suspended, is it postponed? It's all in the language that they use, and it's actually quite confusing. Um, so... Um, I don't know, did anyone read any further into this here? Because there's some talk that, oh, maybe it could be uh, suspended. Um, but um, I don't know. It's, this seems to be kind of a stretch to me. Anybody else um, read into this? And what do you think about this, the whether players, it's going to be suspended? The players may look into it more because it could be their way out of their contract to get to the NFL. Right. I think the CFL could fire back with, with we were forced to suspend the season. Right. So this is when I wish Jeffrey Orge was still in charge of the CFL. Right. A businessman? Uh, yeah. I, I think the worst-case scenario is this ends up in court. But I don't see it yeah. getting to that point. Like, let, let's say let, let's say worst case scenario it happens. The players are all free agents, and the entire CFL goes to the NFL. The entire CFL is on its way back up in a month. Mm-hmm. The, the, there's a reason these guys are in the NFL or in the CFL. Right. Yeah, we all know it. There's a reason they're here. Yeah, go ahead. Go give it a shot. We'll see you in a couple of months. Yep. So then they're at a point where, oh, cool. Can I come back to the CFL? Can I have my old contract back? And the team's going, Mm -hmm. no. So, you know, that's all worst-case scenario. But it could happen. I guess, you know, they put it in. It said in the article they put that clause in in case the league were to fold. The full, of course, actually, that's exactly what they put. So that's, that's why exactly it's there. why they put that in. Nobody's yeah. going to put it in. Like, nobody's putting pandemic, or nobody before this was putting no. pandemic into a contract. I'll guarantee right. you it's in every sports contract written now. Yeah. From now on, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Go yeah. ahead. Phil, what do you think? Well, I think Mark had some very interesting comments and and. A real good take on that. I, I really enjoyed that that take, Mark. Thank you for that. Um, 
you know, honestly, I got halfway through this article and I threw my hands in the air and I said, you know, that's why people have lawyers to read that shit to them and tell them what it means. And then I thought, we need Jacques Climbing to come back to TSN and explain this to us. I don't want to read it in a third Three Down Nation article and uh, come away more confused than when I started. I don't mean to be sound harsh, but it, it, I guess it is. In other words, well, I hated, I hated the article. In, in other words, yep. I hated the article. I, yeah. Okay. Will, any thoughts for you on this one? You know what? They can say, you know, the con- the contracts are are not going to be null and void, but there's going to be all kinds of legal shit, legal battles mm-hmm. over that if that happens. So it's not going to happen. I guarantee it'll cost too much money, and they don't have enough time. And, you know, I really think everything is going to be revert revert to the next year if there is a next year or if there is not a this year. So I, I, I think it would be crazy for the players to try and do that. And the, the owners wouldn't put up with it. I don't think, but no, you'd have to look at the contracts and you get a whole bunch of lawyers making all kinds of money. So, and I mean, uh, will is, or, um, sorry. Um, Mark was right. This was a basically a CYA, a cover-your-ass clause, just on the off chance that the league were to fold. This doesn't have anything to do with a, a, a pandemic that shuts down the entire world. This was not the purpose for this clause, and it's pretty obvious. Uh, to me, I think this is a bit, a bit more surprise, surprise, sensationalism from Three Down Nation. They're taking it somewhat out of context. Um, uh, when they say, like we said, when they say suspended, they're talking about suspending operation where they're shutting down. This is not something of the league's doing. They're being forced to shut down because of this pandemic and because of government regulations. Uh, so, uh, to be honest, any player that would try to use this to their advantage to get out of your uh, contract, as far as I'm concerned, goodbye. Go then. If that's, if you're going to actually try to use this, then um, we're, <laughs> we don't want you here in the first place, as far as I'm concerned, because that would be such a, a BS use of the clause uh, and trying to, like I said, use this situation to... Give yourself an advantage. Uh, it's ro- it's wrong. It's stupid, and I hope no one tries it. Uh, will it will it um, happen? There's going to be illegal issues, even if the league does come back and play um, a half season. Uh, players are going to want more, their full contract. Owners are not going to want to give it. There's going to be a bunch of crap. Once this thing is uh, said and done, that's going to have to uh, take place. But let's hope that something like this just doesn't um, just doesn't spiral out of control and someone trying to use this as an advantage, because it would be really annoying for someone to do this uh, like that. So we'll hope that this doesn't um, um, do that there. So. 
All right. Anyone else with anything on this subject? I think we've beaten it to death pretty good. It seems like it. Yep. All right. Going on to segment three. Hey, we're going to start talking more about football um, uh, and get away from the coronavirus thing, although this has kind of a a tie to it. But um, uh, Edmonton head coach Scott Milanovic says he's got no – He's not looking back on the NFL. Uh, he, of course, was down in the last couple seasons in the NFL after coaching in Toronto for, I think he was there for about four or five years as a head coach. But uh, then he was down working for the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, in the Ottawa, uh, down in the NFL. But now he's back in the uh, CFL. And there are some people out there that might see that as a demotion, where you were a guy... Uh, who was working in the uh, NFL as an assistant coach, mind you, not a head guy, but even the assistant coaches down there get big money. And, um, yeah, now he's back up here in the CFO. And I don't think, you know what, I think the guy wants to be a head coach. Um, and I'm not sure Jacksonville was going to want him back all that much. So, uh do you see this as a demotion going from an? Uh, uh, do you guys see this as a demotion going as from a uh, assistant job in the NFL up to the CFL as a head coach? I know a lot of people say Chris Jones would never do it, and once he went down to the uh, Cleveland Browns, they're saying we'll never see him in the CFL again. But Scott Milanovic apparently has no problem doing it. Do you guys see this as a demotion? Let's go in the other direction and start with Will this time. Well, no, it's not a demotion. It's a choice for him, right? I mean, obviously, obviously, he wants to be the head of something as opposed to being assistant at something. And I, I, I think now I don't know if he was going to get fired from his job before he left. We don't know those things. We don't have yet privy to these. But maybe I'm sure he was making more money in the NFL that he's making in the CFL. Um, but there's a guy who's probably thinking, you know, made enough money in the NFL, I could go be a head coach in the CFL, less pressure, less everything, and I can enjoy myself. And he's used to the he's used to the CFL. Life is all about choices, and obviously that's the choice he made. Maybe he's got bigger aspirations in the CFL. Maybe he's got bigger aspirations in the NFL eventually, but who knows why he's doing it? To me, it doesn't it doesn't make a difference. Coach, you want to coach football? You coach football wherever you can get a job, and obviously, the job in uh, in uh, Edmonton was attractive because I would assume that's a pretty good place to coach football. It's a it's a good organization and. And, you know, so, yeah, there you go. Go ahead, guys. Phil, you guys had Chris Jones coaching in your city there, and then he uh, he flew the coop and went to the NFL. And like we had talked about, we don't think, most of us don't think that he's going to come back uh, to the CFL anytime soon. Uh, what do you think? Is this uh, one of those things uh, about, um, is it a step back? Is it... Um, just as much as he wants to be a head coach. What do you think? Well, Charles, 
I remember when Scott Milanovic left the CFL, left the Argos for the for the NFL, and uh, you've got to remember that at that time that he was considered eventual uh, offensive coordinator and head coach material. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, that's similar with Coach Jones, but it was to an even greater effect with uh, Scott Milanovic because ESPN was talking about Scott Milanovic back then. They, they didn't great. spend a whole lot of time on Chris Jones on, before, he, you know, before his first season in, in, with the Browns organization as a defensive assistant. Um, so uh, Scott Milanovic was highly touted. So I'm not surprised that if he were not successful in becoming an offensive coordinator there, that he wouldn't be back in the CFL as a head coach because I really believe that his, his second choice to being an offensive coordinator or head coach in the NFL would be to be a head coach in the CFL. And it's not surprising. I think Will was correct in saying he's with a, a pretty solid uh, franchise and a, and a well-respected brand uh, with maybe a little more interest in the city than where he – he had coached before in Toronto, and I think that will be fun for him as well. Uh, that's all I got. Interesting foreshadowing for a f- uh, a future um, segment we're going to do tonight. Mark, what are your thoughts on Scott Milanovic returning to to the CFL from the NFL? You know, the guys covered it pretty good. Um, it, I guess it could be seen as a step back, but he's got a history here. Like Will said, there may have been rumblings or he may have been told he was going to get fired. It is the NFL. They go through a lot of quarterback coaches. Um, Or maybe he found it was more fun up here and he had another opportunity to get in with a good organization versus the shit show that Toronto was. So maybe he's going to win. He's going to make decent money. He's not going to be hurting for cash at all. We know that. He already made good money, so it won't be that important. So I think he's actually coming up just to have fun again. I wouldn't be surprised. He is more tailor-made for the CFL than the NFL anyway, his style. That's really all I can put in. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same uh, boat as all of you. I think... uh... You know, uh, guys, they want to go down and coach in the NFL. They want to play in the NFL. But uh, it's not always the be-all, end-all. And I'm, I'm thinking that there's some guys that are going down there that, quite frankly, just don't feel right down there. And maybe he was told that he was on the way out. We don't know that. But he seems to gen- genuinely enjoy being in the CFL. He was a head coach for a long time in Toronto and didn't seem to have any problem coming back. So, uh, I think that's a good thing, and um, it will be interesting. I think the CFL is a, be- a pl- better off place with guys like Scott Milanovic in it because I think he's a, a, a very good head coach, and, and when you, especially when you got a head coach that has coaching experience down in the U.S., uh, I think it was uh, it's a um, a good thing. It l- lends, I think, somewhat credibility to them. So I think it um, bringing them back. And him being back in the CFL, I think it makes the league uh, better right overall to have him back in the CFL. So I think it's a good thing. I don't think it's a a demotion. You're still a head coach of a professional football club, which is a a good thing, or a football team. I don't want to sound like a soccer guy. So uh, 
Yep, I think that's good. Any other comments on Scott Milanovic? Apparently there are no more comments on Scott Milanovic. So we'll move forward. You know what? We haven't done this for a little while, so I'm going to just do this here quickly. Where is it? Yeah, let's do this. We have all these... We have all these buttons here, and we never use them anymore for some reason. We have all these different, like, sound effects and so on, and we used to play them all the time. Uh, We used to play that little thing in between segments. We don't do it anymore. I don't know why. Maybe CJ just doesn't like, doesn't want to fiddle around with the buttons and so on. I kind of like it, though. All right, next segment. Now, uh, this is a uh, this is a site I haven't looked at all that much. It's called 99yards. It's 99yards.com. I wasn't sure what it was that I looked at it, and it's American football for UK fans. But it should actually say American and Canadian football for UK fans. I guess they're just trying to differentiate it from soccer because, of, of course, in the UK, soccer is a religion there. But it's called 99 Yards, American Football for UK Fans, but they cover both the CFL and the NFL on this site. And they came out this week, uh, this past week. Well, you know what? This isn't this week, but even though this is the first time I've seen it, this was actually put out at the end of December of the ranking the Grey Cup games of the 2010s. Basically, every Grey Cup game from 2010 to 2019, and they've ranked them in order from best to worst. So I'm just going to quickly read through their list here and just um, uh, quickly um, give their list and then we can talk about you know which ones if we thought there were ones that should have been higher lower whatever maybe we have no opinion who knows so their number 10 one on the list is the 2013 Grey Cup uh, Saskatchewan 45 Hamilton 23 I have a feeling Phil's going to want that one higher ninth it was the 2012 Grey Cup at uh, Sky Dome or Rogers Center as it is now. Argo 35, St. Peter's 22. The number 8 Grey Cup with the 2011 Grey Cup, BC 34, Winnipeg 23. I have a feeling I might want that one higher. 2019 Grey Cup, the one that was just played. Winnipeg 33, Hamilton 12. Maybe Mark says something about that. 2018 Grey Cup was sixth, which was Calgary 27, Ottawa 16. That's the game I was at in Edmonton. Calgary shows up again in the fifth um, spot Grey Cup, and that's the Stampeders 20 and Hamilton 16, a game, another Grey Cup game I was at. That one was played here in Vancouver. The number four game is the 2015 Grey Cup, Edmonton 20, Ottawa 16. The number three Grey Cup, uh, is this the one that Phil doesn't like? No, it's um, no, it's the other one. It's the second one. He probably doesn't like this one any better, though. It was the 2010 Grey Cup, Montreal 21, Saskatchewan 18. The number two is the 2016 Grey Cup. I honestly, this one would have probably gotten a different spot for me, but Ottawa 39-33 over the Stampeders in overtime. And they say that of the tw- games in the 2010s, the 2017 Grey Cup, Argonauts 27, Stampeders 24, was the best Grey Cup of the decade. Interesting. Uh, that was a great game. The, the To me, one and two are interchangeable because they were both uh, excellent games. 
I'm guessing Will didn't really particularly care for either one of those, seeing as his team lost both of them and were favored to win in both of them. But uh, don't hang up, Will. Um, why don't I start with Will there? What do you think, Will? What do you think of this list here? They were good games. Even though your team came you know, out on the wrong side, they were both really good games. You know, I, I'm i a little jilted now as far as Grey Cups go because uh, for me, the last two Grey Cups are the last two Grey Cups I've been to. And and I thought both of those games were awesome. And, and you know, it's funny because... I watched the I watched the 2014 Grey Cup the other night on Saturday, and and it was a pretty good game. I thought Calgary dominated for most of that game until they let Hamilton back into it. But you know it, the neatest thing about and I'm just going to go off on a tangent here. The neatest thing about watching Grey Cups replayed is when I watched the 2014 Grey Cup. I sat there the entire game because I forgot who was on that Calgary team, and I was Googling everybody to see where they're at now, okay? It, it, was, it was pretty funny. And, mm-hmm. and a lot of those guys are still in the CFL. But I don't, I don't rate Grey Cups. I, I think great, the Grey Cup every year is the best game of the year, to be honest with you, and uh, because that's when you finally find out who the winner is. I mean... I'm. Uh, if you want to talk the decade, I was partial to the 2014 Grey Cup with Calgary. Um, you know, I probably would have been partial to Winnipeg Grey Cups if there had been very many of them, but there wasn't one till last year. So, yeah, I don't really rate the Grey Cups because I like football and I think all those games are great. You know, a lot of people say the 2018 Grey Cup wasn't very good. But me and Charles were both there. I thought it was I awesome. I loved it because I was there live. And and the thing I didn't notice really, as much as you notice when you're watching on TV, was how shitty that field was. Okay. Oh God. That field. When you watch it on TV, that field was atrocious. It was horrible. But sitting in the stands, you really didn't notice it that much. To be honest with you, so. You know, and once again, would would all the Grey Cups be better if we played them in BC Place, for example? Because, you know, I mean, the 2014 Grey Cup in BC Place, it was a good football game, and there was no weather involved, and both teams went at it, and, you know, the final score was the final score, but you saw a decent game, so I don't know. I'll pass on rating recaps. That's all I can say. All right, Phil, tell me why the 2013 was the greatest great cup of the decade. Well, I'm surprised uh, that you that you knew that about me, but uh, it's not I, hard. I, I was about to say that. Uh, I, you know, when. when I was in the what the 2012 Toronto Argonauts. Uh, when was the last team to win at home? I, I, it, it was a long, long time before that, wasn't it? Does anybody know? Uh, which one? Sorry, which one would you say? 20 what? 
2013 Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and I believe yep. the uh, 2020. Am I am I right? 2012 uh, Toronto Argonauts. Yep, and the 2011 BC Lions. And the 2011 BC Lions. Really rare, rare. Three years in a row, the team from the whole city won the Grey Cup. BC in 2011, Toronto in 2012, and Saskatchewan in 2013. Oh, this is fucking like SummerSlam. Everything's, it's all fucking rigged. Yeah, apparently. But then before that, the last team to win it was the Lions again in 1994. They were the last one previously. I remember because when they won in 2011, they were the last back-to-back uh, teams um, winning at home. And no one that did it previous to that was in 1977, the Montreal Alouettes won on their home field. So it didn't, it hadn't happened for a, yeah, it hadn't happened for a long time, and then all of a sudden we got three in a row. Yeah, that's incredible. Mm-hmm. Interesting, you brought up the 1994 Grey Cup. That was the one Grey Cup. I ha- unlike uh, some of you guys, I haven't been watching uh, old Grey Cups here in my time, as uh, I confessed with my eight-day ab- uh, addiction to a video game. Uh, yeah. But uh, I have... Uh, uh, I'm sorry, I got, I got somebody waving at me here. I, I, have, to, I have to run. Way back. I have to run. Okay. I mentioned I had to leave at 9.55. It's 9.53. I have to run. Okay, sorry, no sorry, problem. Gentlemen. Uh, good night. You know, let let me let me finish for Phil Charles since he left. Okay. I I I would rate the all time greatest great cup, and in my mind, the all time greatest great cup was two thousand and nine. Okay. Just because this is the best thing ever. Okay. Okay. And if now, Christopher now was I really on the show, if now Christopher I, was I, on I, the show, he'd agree with me. Uh, he's leaving anyway, so we may as well get the shot in. Good night. Whatever. Hey. Good night, good night, Phil. All right. He, now it appears Phil is gone. So what? Uh, what do you think? Um, um, what do you think of this list, Mark? It's, it's lists are so Homer. It depends on who it makes is. the list. You know, obviously, from the Homer standpoint, I'm putting the 2019 game as number one of the decade. Yeah. But from a pure football, I haven't, I can't disagree with the Calgary Ottawa being number one. I just can't. Yeah. That was so, with the field conditions, basically a blizzard at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, huge plays back and forth. It was just fun CFL football to watch. So from just from a football standpoint, you know, I, I have no issues with that. From a homer standpoint, 2019, because of the 29 years and Zach Kalaros should be number one, never mind the fact that the game was over mm-hmm. and after the first half. <laughs> I could actually move that game further back into the top yeah. ten just mm-hmm. because, like the BC Winnipeg game, that game was over. They, in the article, it says that was over in the third quarter. That was over at the start of the game. Winnipeg didn't have a chance on that game. No. So, yeah. I know you're going to put that number one. But... For me, it would. 
Yep. That that Ottawa Calgary, that was just fun football. It was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially some of the times the best games I think are the games that our teams aren't playing in because we don't really have a vested interest. I mean, you'll you'll side with one team or another, but if your team uh, is in the Grey Cup game and they don't win, no matter how great a game it is, you're not going to like it. No. No. All right. Anything more on this one? I don't think so. All right. Okay, so we are down to three people now, and while I'm here, I'm going to press the button again. Let's talk CFL. All right, moving on. Uh, Matt Nichols is, of course, uh, rehabbing uh, his shoulder after he got injured uh, in the latter part of last season in Winnipeg. Uh, He is, of course, now a member of the Toronto Argonauts, and uh, he's still rehabbing um, his shoulder, hoping to be ready at the beginning of the season. Now, of course, we don't know uh, when that season is actually going to begin, seeing as we are... Uh, with the the whole um, coronavirus thing, but uh, what do you think? Is knowing what his injury is is uh, let's say let's say real best case scenario, uh, and something happens, and for all of a sudden they are able to get started. Let's say early July. None of us think that's going to happen, but let's just for argument's sake say it does. Is Matt Nichols going to be ready to play uh, come that point? You watched him last year in Winnipeg. You saw the injury, Mark, so I'm going to let you start on this one and let us know what you think. I think he might be. I'd be more certain if none of this COVID stuff had happened and he was working out in regular facilities versus his basement. Yeah. That's an interesting part, too, because... You know, people rehabbing and stuff like that, you're not able to go to rehab centers or gyms or stuff like that, so you're having to be creative to get that stuff there. And you don't, you can get some stuff virtually with your trainers and therapists and stuff, but it, yeah. virtual does not replace the guy being right there. So if it was starting regular time, I would say he would be ready to go based on regular training, everything else. Everything I've seen of him from social media, he does look good, but we haven't seen him in pads or obviously or anything like that yet. But I I think he will be ready to go. Mm -hmm. I do think so. Yep. And he's going to have an even bigger chip on his shoulder this year. Well, probably, especially what happened in Winnipeg, because he probably was, you know, missed out on that one, especially getting injured and stuff like that, because he was a driving force of that team earlier in that season. And then to miss out on the Grey Cup because of an injury and then to uh, basically be replaced by Zach Caleros, I'm sure he's got a huge chip on his shoulder. Yeah, and his arguments with the fans. Yeah. There's going to be a huge chip on that guy's shoulder. Yep. That's right. Yep. What do you think, uh, Will? Do you think he's going to be ready for the start of the year? Has Matt Nichols ever been ready? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm I'm not a big 
I'm not a big Matt Nichols fan. He has stayed in the league for a long time. And you know what? For the most part, he did win half the games. Was it half the games last year for Winnipeg, Mark? I think he won half the games or something like that. So he did um, contribute. But he was 5-1. and 5-1, and one, okay. 5-0 so or 5-1. He one. won a lot of games for Winnipeg. There's no doubt about it. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't think he's a good quarterback. And I I think regardless of what his elbow is like this year, he's going to have a hard time in Toronto. He's going to have such a hard Is it Toronto he's in? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't have an offensive line or a running back. He's going to have a hard time in Toronto. And for that matter, he doesn't have a, what am I going to say here? He doesn't have a coach, okay? Mind you, Ryan Dinwiddie is good with quarterbacks on a good team. We've never really seen him on a bad team. So... But, yeah, I, I hope he's ready for the year. I mean, he should be ready for the year. We'll see if yep. there is a year, right? And, I mean, mm-hmm. the longer this uh, pandemic thing goes, the better it is for Matt Nichols, let's face it, because he has more time to recover. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. There you go. Mm-hmm. Hey, as a Bomber fan, I'm praying for a nine-game season. Yeah. Less chances for Zach Caleros to get hurt. Exactly. It's only half a season. <laughs> it takes 30 <laughs> seconds for him to get hurt, okay? He got knocked doesn't out matter, in the first Doesn't matter how many games. You, you know what they should do if it's a nine-game season? They should hold about until the last four games of the year. Okay? <laughs> Just in case. Hey, he did go four straight, and he only got hit two or three times. I know that. Three. And and you know what? In his defense, was it the first game or the second? He took some hellacious hits in that game, and I was, it was surprised the first game he bounced back up. That's correct. Calgary hit him pretty hard. He, but I I really want to know what's in that guy's helmet because he looked like he had a kazoo helmet on. Okay, mm-hmm. it looked bigger than it normally does. So which which is okay. That's fine. But yeah, no. I mean. Uh, Shorter the season for him, better. So, yep, yeah, you know, agreed. And and you know the other thing. Let's talk about this for a little bit. Shorter the season, the better. Okay, if you think about it, um, Winnipeg's had the least amount of changes in the off season. Yep, that's uh, that's very important. They have played together before, makes a huge difference. So, yep. We shall see. I we agree. shall see. Yep. All right. Well, I think we've talked enough about Matt Nichols. We've probably talked more about him than many than many people in the last few months, but we shall see. All right. So segment six. This was actually an interesting article. I read this today, and I actually it was interesting on it. So. Uh, it's another Three Down Nation article. Um, so betting on the CFL is a lot like the league. It never stops, never seems to stop. So basically, it, uh, or did I read that right? The action never seems to stop. That makes a lot more sense. Uh, basically saying that because of the unique um, 
rules and stuff like that with the CFL. It's when you compare it with the the NFL, uh, um, that uh, it's a lot more unique and there's a lot more um, action in terms of betting and stuff like that. So I've never been a big better on football and so on. I mean, I've bet in NFL and so on and pools and so on. Uh, never really all that individual games too too much. Uh, but uh, what about you guys? Either you guys like betting on the NFL and or betting on the CFL, and does it um, you know a little bit different because of the uniqueness of the league? I, most of the betting I've done is really is just pro line betting on the games. Right. There, I would love to see the CFL have the betting lines like they do for the NFL for the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Whether it's the first um, touchdown, the first rouge, all that stuff. You could have mm-hmm. so much fun with that. And Vegas yeah. could come up with some amazing ones. You know, I, it, I don't see the CFL ever being a huge betting league. Like people betting a lot on it mm-hmm. with all the different things. I wish it would. I don't even know if they really look at it. Like the prop bets and so on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And let's face it, people are betting on it. That means more people are watching it. Yeah. Because now they have money on it. Like hell, now you could even do a prop bet on uh, if there's going to if the game's going to be rained out or not. Mm-hmm. You know, there's all kinds of fun you could have with that. Yeah, you can bet on pretty much anything. <laughs> Will, do you have you done any real uh, like betting tour in terms of CFL or anything? I I don't I don't bet no money on games because I'm horrible at it. Okay, and I don't like to give my money away. I work too hard. Okay, but and and, like. the, and the other the other thing is is I. Doesn't matter if it's money or not. I bet with my heart, not my head, and that always gets me in trouble. Yeah. Okay. So I, I, I just don't do it. I don't do it because my wife gets really annoyed at me when I do it. So, mm-hmm. so I just don't do it. I, I well, do things like bet bet lunches and stuff like that, but you know, mm-hmm. nothing in those kind of things. What about Vegas? Vegas is actually, they've actually already installed uh, Hamilton as the favorite for the 2020 breakup. Well, gee, that's not a stretch, is it? Yeah, 4.4 odds. Yeah, they, Hamilton, I mean, if you talk to a lot of people, Hamilton should have won last year. Okay? It's amazing how you get teams that are just happy to get to the cup and it mm-hmm. doesn't matter if they win or lose okay and they just seem to be happy to get to the cup and and I, I think Hamilton will be a team of destiny this year because they want to they want to win the cup I, I, I and you know what I, I like Hamilton as a team but I don't want Brandon Banks to ever win a great cup I'm sorry I never want him to win a great cup. <laughs> I just, I just, you know, I just don't want him to win a great cup. That's all. I, I, right. I wish everybody else on Hamilton would win a great cup, 
but not him. Not him, man. <laughs> and, I mean, let's face it, you know, Hamilton has to be, Hamilton and Winnipeg have to be the odds-on favorite this year. Again, I think Hamilton's uh, had less changes than Winnipeg at key positions. Mm-hmm. So, and the key position being quarterback. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I I, I think uh, it'll be interesting. But I'm really, really scared that there's not going to be a Grey Cup this year. So, mm-hmm. and you realize that if there's no Grey Cup this year, it won't have anything to do with the coronavirus, right? It'll be all about the CFL ganging up on Saskatchewan. Yeah, right. Uh, can you just hear the people now if they ended up canceling the Grey Cup? Oh, they're only doing it because it was Saskatchewan. They wouldn't do this anywhere else. Blah, 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 blah. I like Dave Naylor's idea. Have the uh, have the uh, Grey Cup down in Mexico? In December, yeah. Yeah. Why not? I'd let's go. go. I'd be like, I'd, let's I'd go. Be I'm a, yeah. Why wouldn't I want to go to Mexico? Cheap tequila at a football game. That yeah. could be interesting. <laughs> Mexico in December, I'm in. Great cup. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's so many different ways you could bet on the CFL, just even the, the weekly games, like the article says, with only four games. For guys that are serious betters, it's a lot easier to drill down them when you have 30 teams. Yep. And you can always get upsets, too, because it, yep. you, even bad teams, when they're bad, like, they can at the very least keep it close. Like, even you look at, well, not Ottawa last year, but even the Lions in Toronto, uh, a lot of the games they lost ended up being very close games. So, uh, especially if you're looking at like point spread and stuff like that, they can be a lot more difficult to pick. Now, I've never been um, a big better all that much either. I remember when the first, in at least in BC, when the first um, betting, I believe the CFL in Canada might have been the first um, – league to actually have their own lottery because I remember back in the late 80s they had um, um, a lottery called Punto which was strictly a CFL uh, lottery for at least the first few years. They might have incorporated the NFL into it afterwards but it was strictly a CFL and you didn't even have to pick the score you actually picked it by quarter and which team was going to score the most points in a quarter in each quarter. So one team would be used. So it was a really interesting game. And then they got into the sports action thing, which is right across. Well, it's in BC, but um, yeah, but I've never been a huge better on individual games, but uh, I like the prop bets. The prop bets are interesting, but they don't really do that to the CFL. So I used to bet quite a bit on pro line, but I'd take all four games. And of course you get the one upset. Yep, that's true. Okay, so we'll move on here to the next next topic. Oh, I see that uh, that Mark you put in a uh, 
another topic there we can get to before the end of the show. We've still got 50 minutes left, and we've only got a couple more segments, so we'll just uh, that could be helpful here. But uh, the next segment I was actually very interested in because I went through and read this uh, article. This was another thing that Todd Mogi had posted on Let's Talk CFL, and I read through it. It was really interesting to read. It, uh, the uh, the uh, headline of the um, article is Argos joyously alive, but fans are dead. And you would think that might be uh, an article from the last you know few five years. This was an article written in the Toronto, I believe, the Toronto Star, um, from 1987 talking about the dwindling fans at the Argos games. And they did a, this was in 87 when they were still playing at Exhibition Stadium. And they only drew 21,339. And if you remember back to the 80s, that was an extremely low crowd in the 80s because that was when the CFO was in, really in their heyday when they were getting crowds of 30, 40, 50,000 regularly but it basically kind of highlights that the Argo struggles drawing in Toronto, this is not a new thing at all. This is something that goes back quite a long time. Now, this is when they were at the, again, Exhibition Stadium. By the end of Exhibition Stadium, no one wanted to go there for football or baseball because it was not a great stadium to play in. And the, uh, the Sky Dome was coming soon for Rogers Center now. It was a few years away. And when the Argos moved to the um, Rogers Center, our Sky Dome, I'm going to call it Sky Dome because that's what it was at the beginning, they did get a bump in crowds. But a lot of that, of course, was the, the new arena. There's always, when you get like a new stadium, you always get it, typically will get a bump, people with coming wanting to come see the stadium and so on. Then you had the the Bruce McNall, Wayne Gretzky, John Candy era where they got some good crowds there, but how much of that was padded by the fact that they were bringing in big-name halftime acts to play at halftime. They had um, big-name bands, so were people going simply for that and so on. But the Argos crowds, the Argos um, uh, attendance issues, they were having them back in the mid-'80s. So when did it really start going sour for the Argos in Toronto in terms of drawing fans? Will, do you have any thoughts on this, when it really started to go downhill for the Argos in Toronto? You know what? I think uh, Toronto's always been a a fickle crowd. I think it goes down when the team's not good. And it goes up when the team is good. I mean, you can't take uh, them winning or them winning the Great Cup in 2000 and what was it, 18 or 16 or 17? Sorry, mm-hmm. because that team wasn't very good. They just happened to win the Great Cup that year. I, I, I think it has a lot to do with um, Toronto. You have to bring gimmicks in to get people in the stands. Mm-hmm. And if you think about the John Candy, Wayne Gretzky era, and they brought Rocket Ishmael in and, and, you know, they had guys like that. I mean, they had people in the stands. I, I don't know if that will... 
I, now I just believe there's too much competition there, and I don't know if they will ever have a lot of fans in the stands ever again, to be honest with you. But let's see what happens if they have a winning team. So that's the only thing I can think of. They do tend to get bigger crowds when they're winning, regardless of when it is. Uh, Mark, when did you see that the Argos' uh, support seemed to drop off? Uh, this generation, or even the last generation of fans to drop off, I think really came when Candy and McNall and all them left. And the yep. Rocket left. And Dunnigan left. When everybody left, they weren't sexy in, anymore. It wasn't fun they weren't winning every game and doing all kinds of crazy things. Toronto likes their superstars. Look at Drake with the Raptors. They love their superstars. If you would bring in a bunch of high-profile superstars again to run the team, which you really couldn't do now because they can't just spend as much as they want like McNall and Candy did. I was going to say that, and they knew that, and that's why they brought in Rocket Ishmael. Yeah, I think their salary structure was probably two or three teams at today's salary cap. In those they days, just spent yeah. money. They just spent money. Hell, I think Dunnigan was making close to a million dollars with them. Mm-hmm. So, no, they like yeah, the sexy it, stuff. Yeah. Because I remember it wasn't just Rocket Ishmael they brought in. They went out and they got Matt Dunnigan. They had brought in a bunch of other high-profile players at that Darryl time. Keith they were Smith. going out spending a ton of money, uh, not just on that. And like I said, they were bringing in big-name halftime acts, big bands that you'd normally pay you know, $100 a ticket to go see, and they're coming in playing halftime. So, yeah, they were drawing fans. Of course they are drawing fans. But they won the Grey Cup in 91, so that was a big moment there. And then... What happened? Within about three years, well, Bruce McNall got indicted. He was uh, dumping the team. Gretzky wanted to dump the team. Candy wanted to remain with the team and was considering owning the team on his own. But then he passed away, and by the time it came around to 1994, they were lucky to get 20000 to a game. And it's really been peaks and valleys since then. Uh, and more valleys and peaks, there's been a lot of time for the Argos just to just don't draw anything. And we're seeing it even now. I, I expected that there was going to be a bump in attendance when they moved to BMO. And they, uh, the, a couple of their first games, they got decent attendance, and then it dropped off again. And you, you get some smaller crowds there as well. So, um, yeah, that's, um, you know... But it really, I think the real downward turn for the Argos came once that, that trio sold the team. Because that was the last time they were really relevant. Um, and it was because of the big names that were involved there. But as you can see, even in the article that I posted, in the 80s, when they were very much in the 80s, let's not forget, this was an article written in 1987. The Argos went to the Grey Cup in 1987. Uh, so they were a good football team, and they were getting close to the playoffs, and they were barely breaking 20,000 then. So, and it has to do with the makeup of Toronto. Toronto thinks that they're a big league. Well, Toronto is a big league city, but 
they there are many in the team in the city of Toronto, I think, not just fans but also media personnel that think that uh the CFL is that Toronto is too big and too good for the CFL that they're not major league enough and there's a many people that have that opinion. Uh I think it's a stupid opinion to be honest, but there are many that are there and they want nothing to do with the CFL. So and it wasn't always like that back in the 70s and 80s they used to draw big crowds but like we said once they go down once they uh the the trio of McNall, Gretzky and Candy left that just uh did it for many people and they've really had problems ever since consistently drawing well so uh it is what it is uh, any, uh, know, any other thoughts on here, the Argos? Go on. I, I'm curious to see how their attendance uh, increases in the next couple of years because Pinball is the GM. And Pinball has always been a great promoter in in Toronto, okay? He's not, That's he's, a- not, he's not the smartest guy, he's not the sharpest guy, but... There's something about his personality that draws people in. Yeah, that's the and, one thing. They and, love pinball yeah. in Toronto. Even though the CFL is considered by many to be a, a Bush League in Toronto, they love pinball Clemens in Toronto. Yes, they that, do. That is one yes, thing that is definite. And I know he will help promote that team. So. Yeah, yeah. I kind of liken this uh, pinball coming back to take over the Argos similar to what happened here in the early 2000s here in B.C. when Bobby Ackles returned to take over the Lions. <laughs> because he went back out and he hustled, and he brought that team that was having telethons just to survive, and then the, he got the team back over 30000 a game per average. Now, of course, it's fallen off since then, but he got them back to that, and he went went out and he hustled. He was right out throughout the business community and so on, and I think you're going to see a lot of the same type of activities being done by Pinball Clemens. Will it be as successful in Toronto as it was here in BC? That I don't know, but certainly I think they will. Um, it's something to uh, to take a look at. I think you're right, Will. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if Pinball was running against. Uh... Pierre Jr. for Prime Minister of Canada, I would pick pinball every time, okay? He'd win in Ontario, I know that. For sure he would. Mm-hmm. He'd get a million votes just from the CFL fans. Absolutely. Probably. Easily. He's loved, he's loved the league over, so. Yeah. I don't know, Is he is he Canadian or American now? He's Canadian. Is he Canadian? Okay. Yeah, I, I believe so, yeah. He became a Canadian citizen. I think you're right. Yeah. All right, moving on. Um, I think we're done with that one. So next segment, so this one might be one that uh, I don't know if you saw this, Mark, but despite being a member of the Arizona Cardinals, Canadian legend, I just threw that in there for the hell of it, Chris Trebler, gave an Instagram live interview on the Bombers' Instagram feed. Do you think that if, let's say it doesn't pan out in Arizona, and a lot of people think it won't, do you think that it's pretty much a slam dunk that he would return to the Bombers? Because 
he's like a god in that city, or at least from what I can see. And probably, Mark, you're the best one to talk about this, being that you are in Winnipeg. What do you think? If he doesn't make it with Arizona or when he does come back to the CFL, and he'll exhaust every option he has before he comes back. I agree. But if he does, if, if he does there's only one place he can play. He Winnipeg. has to be in Winnipeg. Yep, I agree. The guy will never have to buy another beer the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. Every time he goes out, people are going to be all over him. He was on Instagram for five hours. Was that how long they were on there? They were. His entire family was on it at one point. His sister was mm-hmm. there. I think his brother. They were. I think his mom and dad got on it for a bit. And there was several hundred people, or I'm not sure what the numbers were, how exactly how many. But there were a lot of people that stayed on with him the whole time. Mm-hmm. He, what what were they doing on there? Was, was were they just talking, or what was he on there doing? I didn't see well, this. It, it started off as asking him questions and mm-hmm. stuff like that, and then it just I think the best term would be degenerated into a free for all. Okay. He was shotgunning Gee, beers with guys. What a shock. He was yeah, what, the, shotgunning they, beers? Yeah, they were shotgunning beers for a little bit, and then his sister came in, and she sat down and talked, and they, it was different. Was I he wearing a shirt? Only, <laughs> yes, he was at one point. He, I think he did have okay. it off at another point, but... <laughs> wouldn't shock me. Yeah. Where is he from? No. Where is he from? What? I'm pretty sure it's a northern state. I'm going to venture at the hills of Alabama or some fucking crazy thing like that because it seems to be a little out there. He's a a young guy. He is from Crystal Lake, Illinois. Oh, Illinois. Okay. Oh, that's pretty... Huh, interesting. Speaking of... Uh, Sounds kind of backwards. Uh, I was going to say, speaking of CFL players in the NFL, I listened to a podcast called Pack-A-Day. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the Green Bay Packers podcast, their official right. podcast. And they had... Reggie Begleton on there the other day as their guest. Ah. And I thought to myself, you know, why would you have a guy who there's a pretty good chance he's not going to make this team? You know, he's a he's a receiver. But I never realized this. Green Bay signed him to a three-year contract. And most yep. guys, they signed, a, signed to a one-year contract because they're going to cut him anyways, right? But they signed him to a three-year contract, so I would assume he's probably going to... I don't think he's coming back if that's the case. No, I don't think he is either. I don't think he is either. And he did have a great year last year, and I think he's big enough to play in this NFL. So we shall see. We shall see. But, yeah, it was kind of... And, you know what? I really like the guys, and... uh, 
what's his name, uh, uh, Charles, what's his name, Cameron Wake, um, Cameron Wake, yeah. has always been a promoter of the CFL. Even, even mm-hmm. in his NFL career, he gave kudos to the CFL. And yes, on, this podcast with, on this podcast with Reggie Begleton, Reggie Begleton basically said the only reason he's there is because of the CFL, which is kind of nice yep. sometimes to see that. And the, oh. the thing with Cam- Cameron Wake is he came up several times to watch games. Uh, you'd see him uh, quite often down on the sidelines, even when he was playing down in the NFL, especially for the yep. earlier games before the NFL started. He'd be up here watching games. It wasn't yep. unusual to see him there. No. Which is yep. kind of nice. Yep. There you are those, with a lot uh, of the guys that go down now. The ones that become, say, stars, they do mention it all yep. the time. Hell, Warren still talks about the CFL. I was just going to say Flutie. the same thing. Flutie still Joe talks Seisman. about the CFL. Joe Seisman talks about the CFL. Yeah. So, you know, for a lot of these guys that are now multi-millionaires, mm-hmm. without the cheap little CFL, they're playing arena football. Yep. Yep. And I think the players jumping from the uh, the, uh, the CFL to the NFL is far higher than the uh, guys that are jumping from the arena league. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. For sure. Many in the NFL think the arena league's a joke, quite frankly. Don't, don't, don't tell Marie Flake no, I'm not saying I, I'm not yeah. personally saying it, but there are people that yeah. that would. Leggett ended up with a arena football championship ring. Yep. Mm-hmm. He thought that was his springboard back to the CFL. Yep. Hey, Mark, if this social distancing keeps on going on. How are the how are the bombers going to get the Grey Cup rings? Are they just going to mail them to them? Probably. Hey, you can't have more than. I think we what still is have it the in Grey Manitoba. Cup oh, do you? Mm-hmm. Okay. What is it in is it Manitoba the same way? No more than six people at one time, or something uh, like that. Ten people. We're ten people. Ten people. You're ten people. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, well, you know, you can get them all out in the field six feet away from each other. Yeah, I guess. That's the part that sucks about this whole thing. It was bad enough we already had to wait like three weeks for our first home game. Yep. To celebrate the Grey Cup. It's going to be longer and now. now. We may not even be able, well, we may not even be able to now. It's like, fuck me, this sucks. Mm-hmm. I can see if it was the Riders, it'd be awesome. Yes, but now I can just hear some Bomber fans. Let's say the season gets canceled. Hey, we're Grey Cup champions two years in a row. Yeah, I can hear it now. People are going to be saying, "You know, they're going to be up there." Hell, then the Rider fans. Hey, we were undefeated. Mark's already Mark's already printed the T-shirts, Charles. (laughs) Yep. 
They're going to call themselves the back-to-back champions or something like that. Yeah, I know, I know they are. I know they are. You no, know it's two year reigning champions. Some of them yeah. is coming up with the two year reigning champion. Reigning champion. Yes. Easy to do when you don't have to defend. Yeah. Yep. Okay. All right. Um anyways. I think we said it all with Chris Trevor, so we still got half an hour left. And we've gone through my entire agenda. I didn't think it would take that long, but like I said, off the top of the show, it's getting harder and harder as the week goes on. But uh, let's go to this thing here that uh, Mark put up, and it's actually a good one. Basically, it's, I don't know if this is uh, Todd's rankings or somebody's rankings, basically ranking the best CFL receivers in the last decade. And he's got Five of them right now. S.J. Green, and you can look at their numbers there. The second one was the Darius Bowman, then Weston Dressler, Manny Arsenault, and Greg Ellingson. So he's got them basically at the top five receivers in the. CFL over the past decade, basically going from 2010 to 2019. Uh, are there um, any arguments with this, or is there anyone else that you think should be uh, on here instead? Would you not well, put Fred Stamps? There, Mark. Would you not put Fred Stamps or Nick Lewis ahead of Greg Ellingson? Uh, Nick Lewis for sure. Maybe Fred Stamps. Uh, just looking at the Facebook post itself, and somebody actually said yeah, uh, Brian at... Burnham, but Burnham hasn't didn't play. I don't enough. think Burnham's been there long enough. I like Brian Burnham; he's a great receiver, but he's only really been a big time impact receiver for the last three years, and most of these guys have been around for almost the entire decade. So I think that's why you're going to put these guys ahead of Brian Burnham. Same thing with Brandon Banks, because I know Brandon Banks has been around for a while, but in the earlier part of his career, he was primarily uh, a a kick returner. It's only been in the last few years that he's emerged as a receiver. And I think that's why guys like that are not on this list. I have no argument with S.J. Green being number one. No, he's been spectacular. I, I, I totally agree with that. In his prime, you know, you can in put him prime, in the top. Yeah. I think you could put him in the top ten, fifteen of all time. Yep, honestly, I, I would have no, I would have no disagreement there. If you look at, if you look at the numbers that are posted here, he basically leads in almost every category over all of these guys. And I think, I mean, Darius Bowman. Do you think he's a little high at number two? Yeah. He didn't do anything. I don't know if these are being ranked strictly by yardage. It almost looks like it. You know what they are? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Production rating. What they call production rating. Yeah. And I'd have Arsenal over top of uh, Bowman anyway. Yeah, I, I think so. These are going strictly on stats, but if you're going on, like, clutch catches, 
and guys you would rely on to get the ball, to get a catch when you need it. I'm putting Manny Arsenault above uh, a Darius Bowman. I might put Weston Dressler above Darius Bowman, a Darius Bowman. You know, Dressler was a midget and a half, but he made some amazing catches during his career. He could catch balls that uh, uh, he, he had no business catching. He would he would make catches. You you you'd watch the replay. And you'd be like, how did he do that? The one catch he made in Winnipeg, where he went full out in the air and landed flat on his stomach with the ball in his hands for a mm-hmm. touchdown. It was, and you could see where he got the ball. He could not breathe. And once he got up, he just kind of broke and walked his way back to the huddle. It's just mm-hmm. the guy was tough as hell for a guy who was five six, about one hundred and seventy pounds. Well, the one I always remember is basically uh, he was cut across the middle. He was not looking at the quarterback. In fact, he wasn't looking anywhere in that direction. He wasn't even expecting the ball to come, and somehow he caught the ball. And he wasn't even looking in that direction. I remember, I remember that catch. Yeah, and like, how in the world is that possible? You start thinking of the different receivers over that, that 10 years. There was a lot of good receivers in the league. Well, there was. You know, we see a lot of good receivers in that time period, and the problem is a lot of them don't stay for the entire time. They try and make it in the NFL, and then usually we don't ever hear from them again. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you got to give what's-his-name. Oh, geez, come on, help me here, guys. What's-his-name? What's-his-name? Who? Calgary, Calgary's receiver last year who cut touchdown passes left, right, and center. Oh, my Lord, why can't I remember his name ever? He's, he's oh. should, should I say he's black? Um, he's quite tall. Oh, my God, why can't I remember his Breakfast. name? No. No? No, he's been around for a while. And his name is, come on, come on, you know who it is, Will, Eric Rogers, thank you. Eric Eric Rogers. I mean, Eric Rogers, and it's funny because I was trying to figure out where where he started at. Eric Rogers started in Calgary in 2014, and he was on that Grey Cup team. He only came to the team with four games left, and I think he caught, like, 12 balls in that great cup game. Yep. Okay. And then he played for another year in Calgary and dominated and then disappeared for two or three years to the NFL. He went and then to San Francisco, here. if I'm not mistaken. That's correct. And he uh, did his ACL when he was in San Francisco. Right. And then he came back two years later and he's not a, he's, He's still a great receiver, okay? He's more of a possession guy now than a speed guy like he was in 2014. But, yeah, so there's been so many good receivers in the CFL. 
in that 10-year period. Yep. I think Fred Stamps is more underrated. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. You know, you take... You t- even take Calgary. We had J- not James West, uh, somebody West, Dan West. Uh, who? Dan West. No, I don't think it was Dan. Last name was West. We also had Mo Price. He was a yep, great receiver too. He ended up going to Ottawa for more money and never did another thing. No. Nope. So yeah, there's. There's, we can all talk about receivers on our teams. I mean, there's that guy, Charles, who was in BC the one year, and he's in the NFL now. Zilstra, or was he in BC? Zilstra. No, no, he was, not, he was in Edmonton. Brandon Zilstra. Edmonton, right. He's yeah. he's still in the NFL, right? So, yeah, and he was an awesome Minnesota. receiver. He was a great yeah, receiver. Yeah, he was an awesome receiver. So, yep. There's been all kinds of them. But, but Mark's right. There's been uh, this past like decade. There's been all sorts of great receivers in the CFL. Yeah. And, hey, we had a decade of Nick Lewis. Well, and and I, you know what, <laughs> I, I don't know if you guys will agree with me, but I rank him as top five all time, easy. Yep. Yeah, I, I find when, that hard to disagree with. When you look at the always, body of his career, for sure. Yeah. And when you look at his body, it shocks you. Well, not you know, really. He, he was quite slim. He was. <laughs> not last year. But he but made he it work coach. for him. Mm-hmm. He, he what? He, he made it work. Mm-hmm. Yes. Later on in his career, he made that size work. Yes. I mean, he had he nine straight thousand-yard receivers, yeah. thousand-yard seasons. Yeah. Nine. And the only reason he missed the row. tenth was because he was because he broke his leg. So. Yeah. Yeah. He was well on his way to another one, and then came back and had a thousand-yard season right near the end of his career in Montreal. That is correct. At eleven hundred yards. And and he did it all with like five. He did it all with like five and seven yard dunks. <laughs> yep. And then look he's at actually the CFL hit. leader in receptions. Yes, he is. A thousand and thirty. Yes, I think the most. Yeah, I have no problem putting him top five yard, all time. Yeah, the most fun of him was he would get that five or seven yard dunk. Oh, I got all this open field in front of me. Where's somebody to hit? Yeah, he always he just found wanted to hit open someone. field. Yep. And he loved to run people over. Oh. There was there was I saw a highlight package of his the other day, and half of the highlight package was him just just destroying guys. Okay. And sometimes it was blindside, but sometimes it was right man on man. Okay, so. Well, he was probably 30 or 40 pounds heavier than most of the defensive backs. Yeah, yeah probably. Absolutely. For a while. But I, they always they always said he was country strong, and even when he was skinny, I saw him run over guys. So, 
you know, it's just, you know, it's all a leverage thing and and stuff like that. And he liked he liked that kind of stuff. So, so. And now he's got a good podcast. Yeah, he does have a good podcast. Did you guys have you guys since we're down to no subjects now? Did you have did you guys do you guys listen to his podcast? I've listened to. It I have. I haven't in a few weeks, but I have. Okay, last week he had a guy on there by the name of. Uh, it it defeats me right now. God, he played for the Bombers. Uh, Mark in the, I'm going to say in the early 2000s, he was, uh, oh God. he was, uh, he was a defense offensive tackle. Garrick Jones. Do you remember Garrick oh, Jones? Okay. Yep. Yep. Okay. So he eventually went to the NFL and he played on numerous teams in the NFL over X amount of periods. He is, trying to become the Texans general manager of the NFL and Hmm. ask me how he is trying to do that. Okay, how is he trying to do it? I'll bite. He has a petition going on right now (laughs) to to become the general manager of the of the uh, Houston Texans, and, and how he many played in, names? Or not? Did I say Houston? Is that where they are? Charles is Houston. Yeah. Houston Texans. Yeah, yeah, Houston Texans. Okay, he did play for the Texans. It was one of the last teams he played for. He knows the owners of the Texans, and he is basically going along saying how terrible the general manager and head coach are right now, which is one and the same. Okay. And this guy, he was on Nick's Nick's podcast and probably, probably the most arrogant human being I've ever heard speak in my life. And he has, he has a, and I got to give him the benefit of the doubt. He's got a plan all set up. Once he takes over, what's going to happen? And it was it was quite an interesting it was quite an interesting podcast. You should you should listen to it because it, it was it was pretty laughable at times. But he is one hundred percent convinced that if he just gets a sit down with the owner, he will be their next general manager. So. So what, what, is, what, what was his name? Garrick? Garrick Jones. G as in Garrick Jones. Oh. He was uh, left offensive tackle, I do believe. I'm trying bombers. to see if I can I find his petition online. Yeah, I want to know see how many names in, are on it. Oh, I think I, I found it. I know he was it. in Calgary. Yeah, I know he was in yep. Calgary for a while. So, yeah, it's pretty easy to find. I found it the other day, too. So. Yeah, I did. I just found it right now. Yeah. The city of Houston and its Houston, Texas deserve better. He's the president of something called the Huddle Up Foundation of Houston. 
Yes. And he's got over 1,700 uh, signatures already. Yeah, 1737. How did, How did he get 1,700 people to sign that? Because people are very distraught over how bad the Texans are. The Houston Texans just traded their star wide receiver, DeAndre Hopkins, just uh, about a month ago. And the people in Houston were absolutely livid because they loved him. And he traded him for basically nothing. He traded him for a player that's basically at the end of his career and about to retire. And they were livid. There's, uh, there's actually other petitions online calling for the guy to be fired over and above <laughs> this one. Oh, God. Be careful what you wish for. He's actually I the mean, treasurer I mean, of the NH- NFLPA, too, I just noticed. That's correct. Well, yeah, and he's also head of the – he's something else as well. But it was quite interesting because Nick Lewis was asking him questions about if you became the general manager, what would you do with this? What would you do with that? What would you do with this? And he has thought out answers to all of those things. I mean, um, you know, he would get rid of the head coach first off. Okay, that's number one. Uh, he uh, Nick Lewis asked him what he would do with Who's the big uh who's the big defensive player for the Texans, Charles? JJ Watt. JJ Watt, right. He asked him what he would do with JJ Watt, because this is a contract year for JJ Watt. And uh it was quite interesting. He said he'd give him a choice of being a being a Texan for the rest of his career or trading him to uh <clears throat> Pittsburgh to play with his brothers. So it's it, he was it is a quite a you know what Nick Lewis's podcast is really quite good he has some name guys on there hmm. and and it is really quite 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 entertaining hmm. it is quite entertaining so and you know I don't promote anybody else's podcast but Nick Lewis is a friend of ours so we can do that I guess a little bit. Interesting. You got change.org um, petitions for everything. Bunch yes, of zero signatures. Okay, here's another story we can talk about quickly. We got about 10 minutes left. Then. This is a story that came out just recently um, from the Calgary Herald. Crime of opportunity. Man admits stealing Bo Levi Mitchell's CFL rings, but doesn't know where they are. What do you mean he doesn't know where they are? I don't know if he stole them, if he sold them. I'm I'm pulling up the article. It was just posted in the last little bit here. So I'm trying to pull the article up. It was posted on Let's Talk CFL. And let's see here. Steve who stole Bo Levi Mitchell's Grey Cup and most outstanding Grey Cup rings doesn't know what happened to him. Crown Prosecutor Cameron Josie or Jose or, said when Gerald Lee Duville was confronted by the police about the theft from the Calgary Stampeders quarterback truck, he initially denied taking the valuable rings. And when Duvel did come clean and attempt to locate jewelry, he had no idea what came of them. 
Jose said that the items have not been recovered. Duvel admitted taking the rings worth more than $20,000 on January 2nd from Mitchell's unlocked truck in Northern Calgary Canadian Tire Store parking lot in what defense lawyer Andre Ucard said a crime of opportunity. Well, why are you leaving your truck unlocked with $20,000 worth of rings in it? That's my first question. Ucard said Duvel grabbed the rings along with some loose change and candy. Good thing to get the candy in there. As part of a joint submission that saw Red Deer Native released and remanded, Judge William Cummings sentenced Duvel to 30 days of time served for the theft. Well, that's nice. You steal $20,000 worth of rings, and you get a month. I'm glad that's really uh, justice handed down. I'm thinking, obviously, this judge is probably an, an Eskimos fan. No, well, probably. So yeah, Mitchell was awarded the ring for leading the Calgary. And, and once again, I, I and I said this when we heard about this theft. What the hell were you? Did you have your Grey Cup rings in your unlocked truck for? Like, come yeah, on. Yeah, in a in a parking lot at Canadian Tire. I mean, and in the north, grand. End, in the north, in the north end of Calgary, which is the worst end of Calgary. So. <laughs> So this guy was apparently charged with more than a dozen other minor charges, most for breaching probation. So obviously he's a career criminal. But he got virtually nothing for stealing $20,000 worth of rings. Glad our justice system works well. And I mean, he says he doesn't remember. Did he take him to a pawn shop and sell him for 100 bucks? Oh, knowing him, probably. This guy doesn't sound like the smartest guy I've ever heard of. No. He probably didn't even, even know close. what they were. He probably saw the jewelry. Oh, here's some quick money. The guy stole candy for Christ's sake. What is he nine? Well, but apparently those are the things that are going these days, Charles. So, hmm. I mean, my my wife's office got broken into two years ago, and they broke there's the front a- door of the the office, and they took. Are you ready? They took her spare change on her desk. And they took three garbage bags full of recyclable bottles. There was a forty. There was a fifty-inch big-screen TV on the wall, and both their laptops were on their desks, and they didn't take those. Well, at least they got the bottles. Yeah, yeah. Which and it was convenient because there's a recycling depot about two blocks away. So. And how far we stole and got a grand that. total of eighteen dollars. Mm-hmm. What did you say, Mark? How far was that from the beer store? Beer store right around the corner. Exactly. Uh, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> they wanted beer money. There you go. <laughs> These bottles will do nicely. Let's go get the Colt forty-five. Yeah, and the cops told me that it's harder and harder for people to pawn or to get rid of laptops and stuff like that. That's probably why they didn't take that stuff. Probably. Hmm. You know, I get my I get my yard at work broken into all the time. And I I, I really believe criminals are stupid because mm-hmm. the only thing they can take anything out of my yard is if they have a picker truck. 
okay? Because <laughs> everything weighs too much. And and these guys break in anyways. They wander around, don't take anything and leave. It's kind of funny. Yep. Oh, well. I've noticed in the past little bit with uh, this whole coronavirus and everybody isolating, a rise in people um, uh, posting links for old CFL games on the on the left soccer. Yeah, they're yeah, popping up left huge. and right. If you go, yeah, they are. If you go on YouTube, there's all sorts of them. There's hundreds of them. I'm, I'm going back a lot amazed. of years. The thing I'm most amazed about is how big the shoulder pads are. Oh, back in the olden games. Yeah, yeah no kidding. Yeah. I wish yeah. they'd put the old 70s and 80s games on TSN, like they're doing with the Yeah, that would be cool, too. That would be cool, too. Most of those are, are CBC games, so I don't know if they have the rights for those or not. That's true. Yeah, I don't know. Although they've shown other, like, they've shown other, like, on Grey Cup week, a lot of times they'll show old Grey Cups, and they've got Mm -hmm. games that were on CBC there, so I don't know if it's different for regular season or what. I liked a couple of years on the Canadian Football Network. Yep, I remember that. Bob Irving, and I think... Bob Irving. Uh, uh, Bob Irving, uh... No, Lancaster was CBC with Don Whitman. Uh, Bob Irving, who was his color guy? Neil Lumsden was yeah. the color guy on CFN. That's right. So the two main, yeah. the two main play-by-play guys were Bob Irving and Dave Hodge. Yeah. They were both the main fun. guys. And then you had Neil Lumsden, and I think Glenn Suter worked with them for a bit right after he retired. Oh, and the other guy was Lee Pedersen who was on there too. Oh, right, right. After I, I love work the, with CBC. I love the CBC ones with Chris Walby. How did he ever become a color commentator? Can you explain that? Well, to why me? did they keep him for so long? I thought <laughs> he was awful. Do you ever wonder if they paid him in beer? <laughs> they did. <laughs> they probably did. Yeah, if, Charles, if you've ever seen Chris Walby drink, that's actually a lot of money. Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> Just looking at the size of them. Big, giant offensive lineman. What does he do now, yep. Mark? Do you know? Uh, he was working for a pharmaceutical company. I don't oh, know if he still is or not. Get your drugs. Probably Everybody get your drugs from Chris Walby. All right, anyways, we're down to the final minute. We made it another show with very little to talk about. Hey, we're we're doing good. This is like four weeks in a row now. Mm. Uh, I always say I'm going to start doing the agenda like the next day. I'm always doing it, starting it like three hours before the show. Mm. I'll learn my lesson eventually. All right, this is Let's Talk CFL Podcast, episode 430. Uh, I've been sitting in uh, in the host chair tonight with Christopher Jones, out sore and tired from working on the farm all day. Uh, but um, we'll see if he's back next week, or if the three of us or four of us, we'll see what happens. So I'll go to Mark and Will and let them say good night. We got thirty seconds left. Either one. 
Good night, everybody. Talk to you next week. Please, Debrell Walker, sign somewhere in the CFL so we have something to talk about. Yes. Well, say good night. Good night, everybody. Talk to you next week. I want to know what we're going to be talking about in July. <laughs> All right, night, everyone. Everybody. Thanks for listening. Uh, hope you enjoyed it. We will talk to you next Tuesday.